delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.TV, taking a bite out of technology. Hello and welcome to episode 493 of The Two Techies for Saturday, January 11th, 2020. This is the show where we talk about the week's most notable technology stories in and around an hour or less with Aaron Fisher and myself, Jimmy Bunting. We come together once a week to discuss, debate, converse, scrutinize and explore the world of tech. On this week's episode, CES 2020, what came from it? What, what, what good came from it? And also when technology has profound effects on the lives of those individuals who choose to embrace it. You are so welcome to episode 493 of the two techies of the show. Thank you so much for joining us this week, last week, in advance for next week, if you choose to. Aaron, we did it. I, I did it. Third, fifth, fourth time? Fifth, 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 time? fifth time was that? Yeah. I mean, this is obviously, this is our first episode, so you can forgive some, some slight <laughs> teething issues, not on the <laughs> technology standpoint, but on the fact that <laughs> words escape us. One of us. Words escape for, one of us. And First episode? What do, you, what, what do you mean? It, this is the first episode of the show, right? Well, you would think it. Yeah, the way you would. That, yeah, yeah. Bloopers are plenty. <laughs> yeah, well, what we decided, obviously, with 10 years coming up at the end of the month, we need a blooper reel, so we needed to make some bloopers for it. And I yeah, just was... couldn't get over one word in the title that has been in the word for... Or in, in the word. Okay, right, I give it's up. It's going really well. It's going really well today. Wow, wow. Yeah, I'm just going to... I mean... I'll, I'll take a sip of my tea. Hold on. You, you say something. Hopefully uh, that'll uh, reset everything. It's not like the word was anything new or complicated or... Well, I mean, it was new to the show. Technology. I mean, when do we ever use the word technology? In Touché. the two techies. Touché. Yeah, I'll give you that one. Exactly. We could have been professional about it, pretended that it didn't exist, but we want the real us to come through, right? Well, as you said. That's what I'll say anyway. Obviously, in a week or two weeks' time, whenever we record, we need a blooper reel, so we were just intentionally making one because we're exactly. serious professionals <laughs> and never make single mistakes. Perfect human beings don't make mistakes. I think, ever. in all honesty, if I kept my uh, the amount of times we've restarted recordings and whatnot, I would not have any hard disk space oh, available. There's no need for that. I mean, yeah, all your mistakes, obviously, I am. But oh, right, okay, yeah, sure. I am also the person who couldn't do math before the show, so you know, flip side and everything. What you mean, four years or ten years and nine years and twelve months? Yeah, which is different from ten years. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> what was so special about the last year that that classified it to have its own? description you know within 12 months it's when you're clinging on to the fact it's not 10 years yet nine years and 13 months still nine years what you mean is 120 months right it's like when you talk to people who not recently had babies but at what point does saying a baby's age in months become unacceptable i think past 24 it's getting a little ridiculous it's two years at that point 24 months oh i thought you meant tw- 24 years which you mean you know you're 100 or 288 months old you know it's kind of it sounds, sounds a bit more impressive doesn't it i am almost that it is true (laughs) 
welcome to the show as we said uh, the second of 2020 and well the second of january as well second show of january is not the second it's the yeah okay if you're new this is as we said at the start of the show we talk about the week's most notable tech stories in around an hour or less in podcast form this week ces the consumer electronics show 2020 has been going on it's now finished it ran tuesday to yesterday which is friday even though it's technically friday today but recording friday but again we shouldn't be revealing that because it's professional and this is saturday right when was the last time we did actually record on the day we say it is trade secret two, two, two weeks ago touche touche yeah, yeah it's, it's it's not as bad as iron likes to make out so yes yeah, yes tuesday the 7th through to yesterday today uh january the 10th um and uh i th- i think it was what we expected it to be it was nothing too boring nothing overly exciting mm. and something a little different i was gonna say I, there's there's one thing i'm pretty excited about to be fair is it the one that we're not allowed to mention N- no not no not that one no. the other no, one okay <laughs> <laughs> if, if anyone's wondering you can use your imagination there, there was a subset of technology at the show which being a family friendly pg rated show in the itunes store we must refrain from talking about you can imagine and uh, yes silence so yes see yes we'll go on to that after before we do we will go to the quick news Casper, the mattress company that cornered the market on podcast ads and got into a skirmish over online mattress who've used a few years back, is trying to pivot into non-traditional categories, according to its attempt to go public, filed Friday, in which you can now read in the S1 form. Casper refers to itself as, quote, the pioneer of the sleep economy that brings the benefits of cutting-edge technology, data, and insights directly to consumers. See a little bit of radio voice there. However, it remains, well, a mattress company. One that has 1.4 million customers, a net revenue of $358 million, but on a net loss of $92 million. But still, it mainly just sells mattresses and stuff that goes on mattress. IT systems in the NHS are so outdated that staff have to log in up to 15 different times on 15 different systems to do their jobs. Doctors can find themselves using different logins for everything from ordering x-rays and getting lab results to accessing NE records and rotors. The government in England said it was looking to streamline the systems as part of an IT upgrade. Around £40 million is being set aside to help hospitals and clinics introduce single system logins in the next coming year. Alderhey and Liverpool is one of a number of hospitals which have already done this and find it reduced time spent logging in from 1 minute 45 seconds to just 10 seconds. With almost 5,000 logins per day, it saved over 130 hours of staff time a day to focus on patient care. That's huge. Amazon-owned home security camera company Ring has fired employees for improperly accessing Ring users' video data, according to a letter the company wrote to senators and obtained by Motherboard. News highlights a risk across many different tech companies. Employees may abuse access granted as part of their jobs to look at customer data or information. In Ring's case, this data can be particularly sensitive, though, as customers often put the cameras inside their home. We are aware of incidents discussed below where employees violated our policies. The letter from Ring dated January the 6th reads... Over the last four years, Ring has received four complaints or inquiries regarding a team member's access to Ring video data. It continues. Ring explains that although each of these people were authorized to view video data, their attempted access went beyond 
where they needed to access for their job. And finally, Twitter said it will test new features that allow users to control who can reply to their posts or block replies entirely. Quote, we want to help people feel safe participating in the conversation on Twitter, the company said. The move comes as social media companies are in, are under increasing pressure to address so-called cyberbullying. The firm's already launched a feature which allows users to hide replies to their tweets. Twitter unveiled details of the experiment during a presentation at the annual CES in Las Vegas. The new features to be tested early this year will allow users to select four different settings for replies. That is how you know it has been a slow news week. When the first story in the quick news is a mattress company. Well, you know, mattresses are exciting. Everyone, ha- most people have one. Um, most, most. Well, you know, there are some less fortunate people in, in this world. Fair enough. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, one of the interesting things, one of the reasons I included it, and bear with me here. Hang on in. Um, this is a company uh, that. Uh, well, sorry, my, my tea's going cold, and I don't have much left of it. Well, I'm, I'm not well, sure how much longer I can. Shouldn't have hang had on to make us record the quick news twice, did you? <clears throat> That's uh, <laughs> well. Uh, we said about professionalism. Oh, oh, people uh, didn't know about the recording. People twice. didn't know about that because right, it was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, right. You made more editing for yourself, so. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Casper is a company that, if you've listened to any technology podcast, I think even any podcast over the past like two or three years, you cannot have missed their name, especially when it came to tech focused podcasts. It always felt a little weird because they're a mattress company. They did a few things differently. They 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 tried to do the whole. Um, I don't want to say pioneered. Um, I know there are a bunch of. I think Eve do mattresses as well. They come in a very similar way. Um, kind of breaking the mold of traditional mattress buying um they're trying to pivot into data and technology um in their ipo they state that our offerings are increasingly focused on non-traditional categories including products that promote the ideal ambience for sleep lighting sound sense temperature humidity uh talking about sleep technology such as tracking devices medical machines bedside clocks uh connected devices uh sleep supplements you know sprays pills vitamins uh, and sleep services such as digital apps meditation sleep sleep programming, and counseling. These are things that the company said they were increasingly focused on. One of the things I found really interesting, someone dug up, um, you actually went through and read this document, who dug it up on Twitter. It's actually quite, I don't know, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Um, in addition, the company maintains a wellness program that may, that provides payment to employees to, provo- to promote sorry, exercise and sleep tracking. Employees earn a maximum of $40 per month for participating in fitness activities, and they can earn $2 each night they record their sleep up to a maximum of $60 a month. So if you work for Casper, you can get paid two bucks a night to track your sleep. God knows what they use it for. Um, slightly concerning. Although it's opt-in, so it's no bad thing. But it's actually really interesting to see how a thing, no one really thinks about their mattress, do they? You decide whether it's comfy or not, and then 10 years later, you'll decide whether to replace it. It's actually really... 10 years later, you decide, no, it's not comfy anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, when the springs start coming through, it starts to get a little painful. <laughs> yeah, man. But... Uh, what you're going to say is you don't listen to a technology podcast and think oh yeah probably get a new mattress i mean i bought one last year but they say i should get one exactly and if you're listening casper we're talking about this with for no money so you know win-win um <laughs> but it's really interesting to see how 
a maker or a manufacturer of a traditional product, like a you know something we've considered very static, to actually be looking into much more technology-focused um, and data-driven markets. I mean, on the backside of making such a massive loss, you know, ninety-two million dollars in twenty eighteen. I believe it's not written in this article, but I believe I read somewhere it's like sixty-seven. So that might be the twenty nineteen figure. I could be wrong, but yeah, it's just I think it's a telling. You know, it's very telling of the of the time we're in, where even the traditional manufacturers have to find some kind of tech-focused aspect, some way of maybe turning it into a reoccurring subscription or something. You know, maybe they can, um, you know, help you get better sleep further than your your, your mattress and whatnot. It's, it's quite interesting. I promise it's interesting. It's interesting, all right? Can I just say this episode is not sponsored or affiliated to with any of the <clears throat> one mattress company discussed? Um, yeah, I mean... <sighs> But if you don't like the <laughs> what the interesting point here is, as you said, they're looking for any way to to become a technology company from being a bad company. And while that's cool, you can hop into a smart mattress. It could be a thing, and you know, it analyzes your sleep and so on and so forth. Maybe something else. I don't know. <laughs> is it necessary? Mm, it's a fad. I don't. I don't know about you. I, I've always enjoyed. Is probably the wrong word. Um, I've always been very interested in tracking my sleep data. I wear my Apple Watch at night. Um, great use, by the way, because the Apple Watch obviously doesn't live more than five minutes if you have an old one the sleep track is a great use um i wore the fitbit for many years as well i actually love seeing just the data um it's fun to go back in the graphs and kind of see trends if you can identify maybe what happened on that day maybe it was exercise or or if you can attach it to a certain event it's actually pretty cool to see i'm pretty sure 99 percent of people don't think like that and probably don't agree with them or, or at least probably have never thought about what i just said in terms of getting a mattress because it's related to technology no, I mean in the fact that sleep tracking is interesting. Oh, right, okay. Where it, really yeah, but it depends how accurate it, it is. How accurate is the technology? Well, I mean, that, you can still get medical grade professional equipment, obviously, and I, I think the the things we buy from Withings or, or whatever that go go on your mattress or the or the trackers you wear on your wrist, they all come with a degree that I think as consumers we we, we generally accept them. It's about right. Um, it's something. It tells you how many hours and and what kind of sleep to a rough degree no one's using it as you know medical proven science type thing but uh, mm. yeah anyway i would say more interestingly well it's interesting enough 15 logins for 15 different systems it's just a joke and for a governmental body let alone the national health service in the country the one public funded health service in the country which is responsible for pretty much everyone's health and well-being on some scale you would think that it would be a, a little bit more on the ball with this considering how how big of a role technology plays within the the departments now. What I would say is this is not surprising given that such organization used Windows, and I'm not sure if they still do, used at least Windows XP past its sell-by date. Um, wasn't it? Wasn't there a deal struck with the government and Microsoft to continue legacy support for it did. for an I extended period of time? Because and it was I'm... easier to pay a really big sum of money to a multinational company rather than just pay the money to update your systems and actually come into 21st century standards. I do remember. I mean, 
Windows XP came out in the 21st century. I, okay, um, to come into the like, latest decade standards. It's a new decade. but um, Even, I'm talking about 2010. I do remember us talking about, I think the US Navy paid like some ungodly sum. But yeah, I do believe the NHS did as well, which is very telling of, of not the NHS, but I think how poorly funded such a fantastic service is. I mean, one minute and 45 seconds to log in. It probably doesn't sound a lot, but in literal life or death situations, it's a long time. Um, and a flip side of that is this is what leads to poor data security. When you have to have people remember 15 logins, this is what makes people set their password the password so they don't <laughs> yeah, have exactly. to remember yeah. it. You know, it, yeah. it just, you're right. It's, it's, it's crazy that such an important system, not just from a, uh, I guess, like a, you know, a, a timely fashion, but like this is medical data. This is, you know, some of the most sensitive, you know, but also it needs to be one of the most efficient services. It's just incredible that, as you know, even on the Windows XP front, that they're, they're still not updating. And I know people will always go, well, I'd rather they focus, you know, money and budgets on, on, on medical uh, equipment or training or whatever. And it's like, fair enough, do both. Um, mm. it, it must be. You, you forever hear people complaining about, or staff complaining about IT in these places. It's just, I, I think in any public sector job, IT is a little bit of a, a gremlin. The thing that we must remember is it's, it's apparently obvious from an outsider's point of view that this is a... And, and then the work of the NHS is just amazing. The staff do not get the remuneration they deserve, both monetarily and through gratification. And I guess that's the, the bigger picture here, that the, the National Health Service, in all respects, is underfunded and and experiencing high pressures. And it's a little bit naive for you and I to sit here and say, well, their IT systems should be up to date. Yes, they should, but it's probably more important to keep other things up to date. Um, and 100%. the problem is, th- th- this is the problem, they're now thinking, well, do we pay our staff more money or do we update our IT systems? Or what, what about that piece of equipment? It requires a lot of servicing. Yeah, we need to get that service too. And and X, Y, Z. And these machines, medical machines, are not cheap by any stretch of the imagination. And there's a vast array of them down from, you know, heart rate monitors, blood pressure monitors to, I don't know, IV machines, MRI scanners, CT scanners, X-ray machines, and everything else that I'm, I'm not okay with. But the point being, you know, there's equipment costs, there's upkeep costs for staff and for, for, for other areas of um of the organization upkeep of buildings maintenance upgrades it is a very important but not the forefront picture it's an aid rather than an assess well it, it's necessity but it's not but it, you get what i mean it, yeah yeah although i don't think anyone's saying it's like oh they should spend money on it it is far more important than medicine no 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 one is no one is no one is but i i'm just mindful i don't want it to come across that way either yeah. but the fact that staff have to have 15 logins for 15 different systems yeah. just shows priorities are up the left and i'm not talking about priorities of where they spend their money i'm talking about where the government actually allocates the money to the nhs they need more funding overall um and I'm not just talking about IT systems, but that's the point. When 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 companies, especially one as important as not a company, but organizations such as important as this, has a problem such as that, then you just know that uh, there are, are other underlying problems. I mean, if you look, 5,000 logins per day, 130 hours of staff time in a day, in a day, what? That is crazy. So it takes it from 1 minute 45 seconds to just under 10 seconds. That is crazy. Crazy. You think about that on a, a large scale, you know, that time could be be spent actually doing something more productive anyway alas um ring with amazon and this is the right action they've taken they've fired the employees who wrongly watched customer videos beyond what they needed to do 
for their job. And I really don't see why Amazon need to view any of the data captured by Ring cameras because the, the, the camera and the data should be between the user and the camera. At what point do Amazon need to go, oh, let's watch this just to verify? But to verify what? Welcome to what happens when you buy internet-connected devices. This happens. This is You have to understand that's a, a possibility, yeah. Oh, why? 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 So it says... Ring explains that although each of these people were authorized to view video data, we'll stop there. Authorized to view video data, why? What was the reason? It is odd. It is very odd. It's kind of like with Siri and Alexa and Google Home. And the companies access the voice recordings to verify the text, text-to-speech text or the, the speech recognition software. It says That's it. almost, almost fair enough. It well, says it is fair it. enough. Makes um, sense. This comes from something I believe we've talked about before. Um, a report that came up previously. Ring granted a number of workers in Ukraine access to Ring user video for research purposes. In the new letter, Ring says, quote, the R&D team in Ukraine can only access publicly available videos and videos made available from Ring employees, contractors, and friends and family of employees or contractors with their express consent. So I don't know if those two are related. That's obviously an excerpt taken from both the previous report and a current the current letter. It's very interesting. It would be very interesting to know what does you know access beyond what they should have or, or what they needed because maybe it's for support or you know it could be anything you, we don't know it would be good to know it, it's very hard to come up with a reason why um but yeah this is one of the things we've always spoken about one of the big risks of bringing even with a company like amazon let's say relatively unknown internet connected devices into your home doesn't even have to have a camera doesn't even have to have a microphone some of this stuff we're just you know willy-nilly buying it on amazon or buying on eBay, not really thinking about who it's coming from, where it's coming from, what harm it could potentially do. Anything that connects to the internet will all of a sudden, if it's connected to your router, has access to your wider network, or more often or not, has access to your wider network and do other things. Now, if it obviously made 10 times worse, if it also has a microphone or a video camera. We used to laugh at people mm. when they were so worried about bringing things like the an Amazon Echo or Google Home um, into their bedroom or into the house in general because oh you know there'll never be a privacy concern and here we are several years later constantly talking about the privacy concerns that all of these devices bring up it's it feels like such an asterisk on internet connected devices nowadays that we have to go through this rigmarole every time it's like great there's this new device how is it going to steal my data how is it going to invade my privacy how are the employees going to spy on me like it just it just feels like in this fantastic world we were just talking last week about one of the things you were most excited for CES was smart home and and connected devices and it's such a shame that a week later here we are having to remind people of whilst this technology is is fantastic and amazing and and can really help us here's all the kind of backstabby reasons that it could you know bite us in the backside which Mm -hmm. we've had as a general concern throughout technology we've we've talked about that kind of thing you know we almost had in the quick news another huge data breach it's like that's yeah. just become a weekly occurrence is in the internet connected devices in our home stealing data and spying on us is that just going to, be, going to become something that we, we don't put in the news because it happens all the time like it, it's just it's so frustrating that companies the basic steps here and I'm not saying Ring have sat here Amazon have sat here and intentionally done any of this they're not lying to anyone you know th- that's not what I'm saying here but we spoke about this before this is such basic steps so you know so so much of an easy thing to solve. Employees should not have access 
I appreciate it says with explicit consent, but I just can't think, as you said, I just cannot think of the explicit consent needed. Even support, accessing the video still feels like a strange thing. We need internet connected devices that only live within the boundaries of your four walls. I appreciate the fact that some people, or a lot of people buy these cameras especially, because they want to remotely view their CCTV or, or their camera. And you can still do that with much tighter control. We know Apple have been working towards it. Uh, Apple are one of those companies where it's like, because it feels like they're not, trying to, they're not trying to necessarily make money directly off of HomeKit or directly off of Home, I guess, as a category. I know they are, but um, not with the hardware, I should say, or not with their hardware. They, I think when I was 13, 12, 13, they did the whole secure video recording thing. Um, a whole idea of, of Apple don't want to touch this data. It, it's encrypted. It's, you know, super secure. They can't see it that type of thing um and it's just nuts that companies don't do things like this um obviously you know let's take everything apple do with a pinch of salt as well they're not the patron saint uh, but i think they're they are a good example at the moment every company when we're bringing a device into our home i think we we get into the point where we really have to think about the wider concerns how secure is it you know what's it gonna do to me how's it gonna steal my information how's it gonna leak my information to hackers how is it gonna spy on me you know all all that stuff is like gone are the days where technology felt exciting and that we could use any new product and you know it, it all felt innocent it's, uh, it feels like a bygone era even not that long ago I guess to, to be honest and, and maybe you're going to disagree it's not the fact they can view it it's the fact they did without authorization or reason or need it, you know, it almost doesn't bother me but that, that there's the ability that second it, stage doesn't happen if the first stage doesn't exist yeah I know what you mean but I, ju- I just I just it's the fact that someone, an employee or a bunch of employees, went above and beyond their pay grade. I don't want to say it in that way, but you know, or at least their their job spec, or beyond what they should have. They 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 went beyond what they needed to access for their job. Um, that's what concerns me. And but as you say, it's become a regular occurrence. It is a regular thing, and it's almost just ignored now, just forgotten about. And I know we, we've spoken about it previously. I think maybe with Twitter, I can't remember why are there not automatic controls in place. Maybe they have been with ring but in in certain companies why have there not been automatic controls in place that not just stop someone accessing certain things but alert other people you know get logged for all kinds of reasons otherwise it's just like it feels just creepy yeah agreed and then finally twitter will test new features allowing users to control who can reply to their post i get it i agree with it that's fine everyone has you know they should be able to decide who and what replies and so on and so forth it's just ironic that they say we want to help people feel safe participating in the conversation on twitter well if someone can't reply to a tweet there's no conversation going on is there no well that's just my i mean one of the big things is one of the options is so the four options are pretty good the top one is as it is now allow anyone to respond at the bottom one is it's a statement so you know it's a one-way street you're just shouting into the ether (laughs) um the ones i quite like and the new ones are group uh allow replies from people the user follows or mentions so if you put out a tweet only people that you follow or that you mention in said tweet i assume can reply and start a conversation with you Uh, the other one being panel uh, allow replies only from people mentioned which is i think 
all pretty cool. And I think on the flip side as well, great Twitter always feels like too little, too late. Um, I don't think think this feels like too little. It does feel like too late. Um, yeah. Also, this is such an easy thing. How is it 2020 and this is only just being thought about nuts uh, for Twitter? You could have done this five, six, ten years ago. Um, but I actually think it will really help people who, I guess it's, it's probably a great way of, of, Twitter's become very, how do you explain it? Um, there are a lot more people that aren't just posting pictures of their food type thing, if that makes sense. Like, uh, Twitter became very businessy, very corporate, if that makes sense. And I think the mm. panel and statement one will, will go very well with that. The risk is that companies tend to use Twitter as a PR place, don't they? And what never looks good for companies, if they do something bad, um, people tend to pile on their Twitter and start freaking out. Well, if you tweet everything as statement um, or panel, um, then no one can reply to you. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. I think the the upsides far outweigh any downsides. Um, Twitter still need to do more. There is still so much more they can do. They're still so much further behind the competition. Um, not that anyone's doing a particularly jo- good job, but there are, there are definitely companies that are doing a much better job than Twitter. This is good progress. It is not enough progress. Um, Twitter has such a horrible kind of toxic problem um, that they keep saying they're solving, but I mean, apart from this, yet to see any actual real action. Um, So yeah, step in the right direction, still could do a lot more. 100%. Right, I feel it would only be um well CES or no, you know what? We're gonna do the other way around. CES will come after. We're going to start off with one that might address me more than you are, but that's fine. It's it's still technology. So at the start of the show when I'm... an overreliance of technology. Don't quit. I was gonna say it feels fair enough because I did put a mattress story in here, so you know. Exactly. You're interested in mattresses, I'm interested in planes. It's only fair. <laughs> um it's at the start of the show when technology has a profound effect on the lives of the individuals who choose to embrace it, and that is almost relevant for this story. In the fact that there has been a large mass of media coverage with Boeing in recent times, uh, Boeing, the aircraft manufacturer, obviously one of the largest aircraft manufacturers in the world, one out of two really, versus Airbus. And typically in the aviation industry, you're either Boeing or Airbus. I'm not saying for any particular reason, but I am Airbus. Anyway, essentially <laughs> what's happened is 737 MAX, two very serious incidents, two crashes, which took far too many lives, unfortunately. Um, and while we're not going to get into the full extent of what happened and a full run up to the story thus far it is quite unnerving to see what has come out this week and we're going to take everything with a pinch of salt because with the media that has to be done but some emails quite damning emails have revealed internal complaints which were made about the 737 max safety and information which was covered up and that's that's the real uh, twist to the knife in the whole story because obviously essentially in a nutshell what happened with this plane was that Boeing wanted to create an even more efficient, more lightweight, carry more people, golden jet engine. Jet plane, sorry, not engine. And they almost did that. Made the engines bigger and moved them, which affected the centre of gravity of the plane, which meant that it wasn't stable in the air. Only discovered this late on with testing. And and again, the, the next thing was that Boeing wanted to make this cost efficient for airlines to make it appealing to them to buy it. Because typically with an aircraft, any substantial changes will result in simulator training potential new type rating as well or type training depends on the severity of the changes and basically pilots are trained to fly the the plane they fly the variant they fly so what boeing wanted to do was market this aircraft to the airlines and essentially make it as cheap as possible both to build but also to market 
market and, and for airlines to, to acquire. And so training was done on a tablet because they stated, Boeing, that the amount of training necessary was very little in comparison to the changes made. I'm not undermining what, what training was required. So long story short, there was software embedded in the, the aircraft, which fixed the instability issue of the physical characteristics of the plane. Unfortunately, Boeing did not make this common knowledge and many pilots were unaware of it. The plane then took over and started to do things which the pilots didn't agree with at the time, tried to rectify it. Um, and, and this is a very simplified story, but version of the story, there's two. But essentially, uh, this resulted into tragic plane crashes, resulting in, as I said, far, far too many fatalities. And you would almost like to think that the first time, which, and I don't mean this way, but that should have been the lesson learnt. Unfortunately, it wasn't. It happened the second time, and Boeing, the, the thought process is that Boeing knew the problems. And Boeing even said there was nothing wrong with the plane at one point. The second crash happened and then there was obviously, in such a short space of time, in the aviation industry, there is no stone left unturned. Which is great for safety, but unfortunately these type of things have to happen before we discover flaws and characteristics. But the problem here is that, and this is a wider issue in technology, corners were cut, and and the, the nutshell is from what I've just went over, the corners were cut, as a result, problems, serious, very serious, significant, life-changing problems arose. Families, hundreds were affected, hundreds lost their lives, and hundreds more were affected due to that. And that was through cutting corners and uh, through technology. And technology can help us in so many walks of life. We talked about the NHS, technology within the health service. Technology is so useful in imaging, in detection of diseases and uh, illnesses, in maintaining and curing illnesses and diseases and so on, obviously with the aid of of the fantastic folk behind the, the, the devices and who, who help with and use them. Technology also has a bad side. Now, you could blame technology in this instance, but unfortunately, it seems to be the people more than that. Internal emails released by Boeing to Congress unveil, uh, revealed that employees within the company marked the FAA and discussed security concerns related to the 737 MAX. Hundreds of emails which Boeing provided to Congress and the FAA in December were obtained by the media. Quote, this airplane is designed by clowns who in turn are supervised by monkeys, one employee wrote in an instant message. Quote, I still haven't been forgiven by God for covering up. I did last year, another employee said in 2018. These reveal within the company that they mocked the FAA and discussed issues with the 737 MAX plane, which is was grounded last year after two fatal crashes. Hundreds of these emails were provided. They discussed a range of topics, including safety issues with the MAX software and the little training provided to the MAX pilots. In a 2018 uh, message seen by multiple media outlets, again, an employee appears to discuss covering up problems with the MAX from the FAA when the aviation regulator was certifying its simulators. Quote, I still haven't been forgiven for covering up. I did last year, one employee said. Quote, would you put your family on a MAX simulator trained aircraft? I wouldn't, one employee said to her colleague in an undated set of messages. No, the colleague responded. I mean, this is shocking. This is crazy that in 2019, 2020, 2018, we live in a world where we know that this technology is is, is potentially going to, well, I mean, I'm not saying they knew that it was going to kill someone, but surely they knew the potential ramifications here. And that's, that's it's, it's not only, it, it, it's, it's two things. It's heartbreaking and it's really, really angering too. That it's not just a case of, oh, well, actually the smart fridge broke down because the software in it, <laughs> software in it, it's, it's a bit buggy. This is a plane, an aircraft carrying 150, 200 people, lives. I mean, surely, what idiots. And this is, this is, this is where you have to think, you know, through all the processes and all the teachings thus far in the aviation industry alone, and this is where we're at. It's, I, I mean, how, it, is, is it just me or if, if planes can't be done properly, what can? What do you think, Aaron? It's 
not funny is the wrong word, but it, 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 we've always spoken about planes about being the, not that they use old technology. I think we've always spoken about them. They probably use the, like the cutting edge of technology, but it's always been so safe. The stats have always been, you know, ridiculously safe. It, you know, planes are always the thing that get referred to in the, you're more likely to, you know, die walking to the corner shop type thing. Um, and it's so, I don't think, I don't think scare is the wrong word. I think uh, planes are obviously, or, or uh, air travel is one of the most, or what we think of, <laughs> what you were just reading out there probably says otherwise, but what we think of as one of the most safety critical things in the world, or at least in the consumer world, I guess, um, because so many lives at risk, you know, so much can go wrong, or you know, not can go wrong, but if something goes wrong, the outcome is normally pretty bad. Um, and we've always looked at that of planes are made to be ridiculously safe. And hearing the stories that have come out over the past 12, 18 months about this plane, hearing, you know, you quote those um, those emails there, it's like, oh, this is... So I'm, I'm only going to fly on Airbus-based uh, <laughs> airlines from now on. That's a decision. <laughs> it's... Uh, part of me wants to go scary how much of, of how much we put kind of our safety in technology's hands mm. these days. But the other half of me goes, I think that's a good thing. We've always spoken about how with the advent of things like self-driving cars and, you know, more automation in, in air, air travel and, you know, sea travel and like all these things can only be or should only be in our heads a good thing. We've always been taught when it comes to specifically electric vehicles and whatnot. I know planes have, have autopilot for varying reasons or various uses. But when we talk about EVs, um, well, not just EVs, but smarter connected uh, vehicles on the road, we've always said they'll, you know, reduce traffic, reduce accidents because the cars can talk to each other. Um, you know, if if one breaks three cars up, it can talk to all the cars behind it and they can all break progressively or something, you know, that type of thing, rather than you know, a Constantina effect back. And, and that safety with technology should be improved. Now, it we're still arguably very early on in this stage. Uh, everything has teething problems, I guess. It, it feels like air travel should not be the thing to have teething issues. Um, just because of how much is at risk. But it's scary to hear the stories of software. Um, we know when obviously Boeing had the, the two crashes and the whole thing that came out about the software after that. And it particularly remember the specific, um, but there were things flying around about how things weren't tested properly and whatnot. It's like, okay, if a website isn't tested properly, if iOS isn't tested properly, lives not at risk. It's not great, not the end of the world. Um, if something is as safety critical as the electronics in your car, if something is definitely safety critical as the electronics on an airplane aren't tested properly, aren't to the heart, you know, aren't trained properly, it's like that's how. How does that happen in 2019, 2020? It feels like for an industry that's so forever prided itself on being so safety conscious, it feels like Boeing dropped the ball about thousand times over the past few years it's it's crazy because as i mean you say what should be what is one of the safest industries in the world and that's it's partly because of all of the accidents that have happened before and i awful to say but the point being something is always learned whether it's trivial or significant and that's great that's why aviation is so safe that's why flying is the safest method of transport in 2017 commercial aviation flew over 4 billion passengers on 38 million flights without one single fatality and that's that's because of how safe flying actually is and how safe the industry is that was the safest year for commercial aviation ever 2017 
But, and accidents do happen for a multitude of reasons. Sometimes, well, always, it's an accumulation of events leading up to an accident. An accident never really happens just because of one thing. It's always an accumulation of multiple things added up to result in, unfortunately, the end result. But what angers me here is we have a very trusted company with a long legacy fooling a federal, a governmental regulatory body over a very significant product design flaw, challenging the fundamentals of physics. And, and, and I mean, it's not even the fundamentals of rules. It's the fundamental of physics. It just, and, and then software to fix it. It almost, almost feels like something in a movie rather than real life. And and I think what it what it goes to show in terms of the, the context to this show, because we could go into so much more detail, but the context on this show, not to lose light of it for us right now, is technology is great. Technology changes lives in so many ways. But it's also, and, and this is us saying this, us who always embrace technology and encourage it and, 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 and stand up for it. Technology also has times when it, it actually can work against us. And I think that's what what the takeaway is in this instance. And there are many instances, not just in, in, in aviation and planes. Technology can do a lot of good. Technology can also do a lot a lot of bad as well unfortunately the difference is it's up to human beings to decide what to use it for it's um it's sad it's a sad reality but it it just is all right we'll move on to ces now uh where we're talking about technology and how technology can improve and change lives ces always aims to do that as we said at the start of the show it seemed to be an interesting year nothing major nothing wow 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 but nothing too boring either it was kind of it was, it was different fewer concepts and more tangible products than ever before uh, exhibitors saw reactions and felt they had to work overtime to correct um, there's a theme of 2020 being concept things that stole the attention of the show not early looks at products that we'd actually be able to use and buy within the next 12 months there's the occasional laptop and meat substitute that will be available for purchase in 2020 but for every one of those is a rolling ball robot virtual personal assistant or entire vehicle that's likely to never ship but that's what ces is it's almost like throwing spaghetti up against the wall and the ceiling and seeing what sticks right concept electronic show <laughs> exactly i'll tell you what though watching some of the videos that came out especially some of the early stuff there's some pretty cool tech kicking around and i know we spoke about this last week but it's the top of the list there the lenovo stuff with the foldable screen and the foldable laptop and whatnot, they actually had something to show. I was watching mm. uh, Mr. Mobile's video and it's something he covered probably like three, four months ago when it was very much like uh, his demo, we're holding it type thing. Like, you know, very much a product that wasn't ready to touch, but got CS and all of a sudden there's a teardown. Here's what it looks like inside. Here's how it works. You know, here's this really interesting idea with this kind of like magnetic clip on keyboard uh, to make it more like a laptop that goes over the screen. Um, but it looks Look, interesting. We got a price, a general shipping window. Um, we got, you know, rough price, I should say. Um, they say it's going to likely ship this summer. Um, one of the big down, one of the big criticisms of it, and this is unfortunately out of Lenovo's control, is uh, Windows. Windows was not ready for this kind of touchscreen control on the full version of Windows. Obviously, there's Windows X. Oh, I forget what it's called. There's, there's like another version of Windows either coming or that exists. I'm not up to speed in my Windows knowledge um but one of the things he pointed out in the video one of the things the verge pointed out in this list is that uh windows is the big let town on it it just is not ready for for touchscreen control at this point um which is so odd for a for operating system that's felt though uh touchscreen orientated for a few years now one of the other concepts from the show that i'm super interested in and i think it's the one thing that came out completely from left field is the sony car but you didn't think about that one did you 
Well, actually, it was at the top of my list, yeah. I mean, it, I fully expected Sony to bring a car out alongside the PS5. I mean, Mercedes were there showing a concept car. Fine, that makes sense. Sony, not really, like, the most extent I would have put them in car technology is stereos. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't really have said concept car was there. But it looks pretty good. It, it actually looks, I mean, it, it still looks like a futuristic concept car, but actually looks like one of those kind of concept cars that they won't have to do much to get it into pedestrian rules and whatnot. Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around how the Cybertruck is going to get past half the uh, pedestrian safety rules and regulations. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things where, you, 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 you know, CS is happening this week, you, you, you check the technology news website, you're like, okay, Sonos and Mercedes and... Sony launch a car and PlayStation announced that. Hang on a minute, sorry, what? Sony launch a car? <laughs> like, it was one of those things that it's just like, what? You have to read, like, three times. Um, doesn't seem to be a whole lot of information on it at the moment. Um, it's called their Vision S. Um, definitely came as a surprise. Packed with sensors, uh, inside and out, uh, multiple widescreen displays, 360 audio, always on connectivity, uh, with some pieces coming from industry players like BlackBerry and Bosch. Um, ooh, it's full of names we don't expect today. Um, also powered by newly designed but, EV but, platform. But, but BlackBerry? Who's, exactly. Who's Sony made the car. BlackBerry making the entertainment system, I guess. It's it's nuts over here. Um, CES mm. is getting wild. Um, <laughs> their, the EV platform is engineered by an automotive supplier called Magna. Um, Sony says we'll be able to power other vehicle types like SUVs. Yay! SUVs, my favourite type. <laughs> um... <laughs> I've got a passionate dislike from them. Uh... <laughs> The outside of the vehicle, some strong Porsche vibes, especially around the headlights. Like I say, the design looks pretty good. Mm. Um, it doesn't really doesn't want... si- attest the Cybertruck. Yeah, I mean, when the standard is now the Cybertruck, like anything looks good. I could throw mm. spaghetti at the wall, call it an electric vehicle, and it would still look better <laughs> than the Cybertruck. Sorry, all Tesla super fans, it is a horribly <laughs> ugly vehicle. I just can't get over that. Um, but yeah, super crazy. One of the things I didn't expect. Um, everything else from CES, I know we talked about last week, I was like, oh, it's we're really excited about this and then we kind of went through it and it was like oh yeah this is CES where we just get to look at TVs and speakers and bridges with screens on and whatnot um <laughs> The Verge uh, titling it Best AI Gimmick uh, The Artificial Intelligence Refrigerator War um compared to all of the unsettling technology the AI is currently enabling ubiquitous facial recognition autonomous weaponry etc checking the contents of your fridge is comfortably benign uh, this year at CES appliance makers including LG and Samsung, promised their new fridges would use machine vision. What a name. Track how much milk and cheese owners have left with additional promises of automatic recipe suggestions and auto-populating grocery lists. That's, That's not exactly s- new. Well, it is kind of new. Uh, the concept isn't new. It's traditionally been a manually e- manually entered thing. It's like, I've put the milk in the fridge. It has this date. Mm. And it comes up on the fridge going, yo, milk is expired type thing. Mm, this being able to look what's inside your fridge and based on what we were talking about earlier, it's going to spy on you and steal all your information. Um, but it's an interesting concept. Not sure it's going to persuade anyone on buying a fridge. Um, definitely on the uh, list of, oh, yep, 
that's the CES we know and love. Um, I'm sure we'll be making our gift guide for 2020 as our, our one gimmick thing. Uh, Bluetooth frying pans and AI fridges. Um, <laughs> nothing else. I don't know if you've got anything. Nothing else really stood out for me. It was all the kind of bog standard stuff, the TVs, the displays, some, you know, moderately interesting uh, new computer hardware. Um, it was very um, consumer electronics, which by its very name. Yeah, it nothing major for me. I, I think really it proves that we are in that period of time where we, we are developing just very slowly as a, as, as a whole in technology. We're at a yeah. point, you know, I'm looking at a laptop right now that, that's as thin as my phone and it's as light as it's probably going to be for some time. Well, what else can we really do? Now that the fundamentals are the processing power and the technology and components within it, but there will come a time where well, we're at that time, we're at that plateau at the minute. Was there anything that you wanted to see that you didn't? Um, I mean, I, there's so many things that came out. I haven't had a chance to go through everything. I know there was some interesting home kit stuff or, or smart home stuff that came out. Nothing really like, I don't know. Consumer electronics, the show ebbs and flows each year based on, you know, this year's very concepty. Some years it's very, oh, you can buy this in two weeks. Um, everything felt kind of like priced at points when it came to like smart home stuff where it's like, mm, this isn't going to work. Um, I, I think every year, I think we, we, we slightly overhype CES. It's one of the big reasons we've probably spent less time covering it over the past few years because we always go into CES going, oh, what amazing new technology we're going to see. And then we forget that it's the consumer electronics show, a show that started off showing things like washing machines and other white goods. Um, You know, like it's just not that type of show. It became and has become very much that it tries to be that kind of show uh, over the years. Like I say, I think Sony announcing an EV car is definitely up there in, excuse me, moments. Um, Sony also announced their PlayStation 5 logo. Yeah, not not the PlayStation 5, the logo. A launch party for the logo. Well, of course. <laughs> that, that how slow is this year. Uh, I mean, that's one of the big things to come out, I think, this year, or to at least be announced. We should get the kind of reveal of everything. Um, the PS5 um, and then the Xbox Series X, which I think has already been demoed last year at some point. I distinctly remember seeing a, a square box around, like a time capsule size box around somewhere. Um, so that should be interesting this year. Nothing else really stood out. Like I say, it just felt like the standard, oh yeah, this is the CES we kind of know and love. The slightly out there things, the, the robots, the AI, the stuff that's never going to get to market. Um, I think the most interesting thing that seems to have a definite date, like I said, is a lot of the foldable stuff we saw, especially coming out of Lenovo. Just seems like really interesting concept. Um, potentially something that's just going to be entirely let down by the software it runs, which is semi out of their control. Mm. Yeah. Yep. A lot of products, a lot of um, categories just extended the, the product themselves, you know, upgraded and, and changed. Nothing major apart from what we, pre- well, didn't predict, but sort of knew we were going to see added. Um, and we did see more technology, which will be added on to smart technology to, to extend the life of already existing technology rather than to replace it altogether, which I think companies have realized they have to do at the minute instead of uh, offering simply complete new smart products. I, I think that here it ends CES 2020 for us. Yep. It also ends episode 493. As always, you can find more episodes on over at munchtech.tv. If you'd like to listen to our interview with Steve Wozniak, munchtech.tv forward slash was for our ultimate guide to podcasting, the book, and to purchase it, it's forward slash ultimate podcast guide and podcastassist.com for our newsletter, forward slash newsletter, and last, our mobile apps, munchtech.tv forward slash mobile. 
as always, thank you so much for listening. That'll do for 493. Until next time, we'll see you same time, same place on 494. Until then, have a great day and enjoyable week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.